2: Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson. You are here, and I'm your host, and we're here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We're on voiceamerica.com, and we're on the Variety Channel. Welcome. Welcome back to listeners who've been listening. Welcome to new listeners. Welcome to any of you who have found your way here, and welcome, and thank you for choosing this show. Please follow us on Facebook, which is Illuminating Now, all one word, and Twitter, which is at sign, Illuminating Now. We often have contests and some different exciting things going on. I would almost say that we always do, (laughs) and they're pretty exciting. So there is a new question posted that just went up. So take a look. If you're listening to the show, find your way to just Illuminating Now. And like the page if you haven't. That really helps. Uh, The support is tremendous. It's been fantastic, and I continue to thank you for it and ask you for it. So And share. Share with somebody. That would be great also. My personal website is Quality for Life Coaching, all four words, no numbers, all four words, qualityforlifecoaching.com. And I'm glad to give you a complimentary chat and we can talk about anything you want to to see if there's any further work you'd like to do or just to chat about something. So feel free to do that. Take a look at the site. There's lots of things to see on it and it is new and redesigned. So I'm excited for you to go there and I will introduce that. Our guest, I'll introduce him in a moment, but while you are taking notes, his site is Gary Loper, G-A-R-Y-L-O-P-E-R, GaryLoper.com, and his email is Gary at GaryLoper.com. So, I am going to introduce him. I want to say he's a teacher, he's an author, he's a coach, he's much more. If you see his website, you will really get a feel for what he's involved in, how much he speaks. At different events, and just what he evangelizes and is really, really good at. He has been on our show prior. Um, He and I were addressing relationships, and we hardly touched the surface. Um, This man has a lot of expertise, and so I want to keep on bringing more and more about relationship into the mix here. We have a lot to talk about, but that's, you know, you can never talk too much about how to get that right. So, whether there's limitations or not, you know Gary's dedication to relationship he that has compelled him he has chosen to write a book called 20 secrets to building better love relationships and again go to the website there are some free downloads and ebooks and lots of things that I think are worth your while to check out the website and see Uh, It's not always about what's free, but certainly fun to see that there are free things. And he's also willing to give you a complimentary free 30-minute session to talk to you about something. And when you see the versatility on his website, you'll understand why that is a very, very inviting offer. So once again, Gary at GaryLoper.com, website GaryLoper.com. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about him and then the invite to say hello Gary Loper. He's a recognized Twitter expert. He's a mindset coach. He's a motivational speaker, trainer, former talk show host on the radio, and life and business coach, a highly respected entrepreneur helping people master the business of life. He teaches strategies on how to become successful, to produce and maintain positive solutions, to stay in a positive mindset, attract and manifest true wealth, He is living proof of how to take your personal experience and shift it in a positive direction. His foundation to building better relationships is based on the determination to build a positive life, contrary from what he experienced in his upbringing. Living in the midst of dysfunction in a family and the family dynamics that he had was a challenge and created personal losses. So he was guided to new levels of understanding with relationships And he applied those to other experiences as a vehicle to live a purposeful life and a life that could help others. So he learned that his purpose was to empower people to discover their gifts. How great is that? And to develop confidence. How great is that? And to create better relationships with themselves and others in life. I don't think it gets much better than that. So that's my two cents on what his purpose is in life. I'd like to introduce and thank you again for being on the show, Gary Loper. Thank you so much.
3: My pleasure, Lindsay. It's great, great to be back and spend some more time with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. You and I just had a a lot to talk about and just, (laughs) just were, you know, flowing right on through. Couldn't believe the show was over. So um, let's just start kind of one of the key things I think that's most important. And I wanted to just hit it up right away. your your feelings about this communication. I think it's very um, difficult and this is where, you know, no matter what the problem is at the top of the surface, communication is some undercurrent running underneath. It's going wrong. Would you agree? And what do you think about that?
3: Well, I really think that a lot of the problems with communication is that we were probably never taught. We don't have real good examples of how we're going to be able to communicate And we especially don't see a lot of examples of how to communicate under pressure or problems. I know when I was growing up, and I'm sure it happens for a lot of other people, there's probably a large portion of us that had never saw our parents fight. Or if they did fight, if we ever saw them resolve it without there being this ugly cloud hanging over you know, for days or weeks or months and going on. And I think that really, really clouds, clouds the way that, that we deal with stuff. And plus, I, I'm, I'm also seeing that there's, there's probably a cycle that people get caught up in their emotions and they're not listening to what the other person is saying on how they may be hurt or what they may be feeling, but then they start reacting so people aren't really listening for the sake of listening they're really listening for when can i talk right right and it and, it, and it's really a, a difficult situation because i think human beings i believe our primary need is to be able to be heard validated and acknowledged and i think that's from what i've seen that's that's the missing piece on all of it and i, and I think one of the ways that you can Start bridging this is a tool, you know, we talked a little, I don't know if we talked about this before or not, but reflective listening, yeah. where, we, where we can be able to come back and to be able to be non-reactive and say, okay, what I heard you say was this, that I get that right, right. you know, did you ever feel that way before, you know, tell me more. And right. looking to ways to try to be available instead of going, you know, okay, I'm, you know, I, I would come to you and I'd be upset about something and you go, well, okay, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? And then you just sort of get into this snowball effect that nothing ever gets accomplished because that first hurt and pain was never acknowledged and, and it just got buried and just sort of dissolved. So I really think for ways, you know, if you're going into a relationship or you're even thinking about wanting to go in a relationship, you're going to want to learn these reflective listening tools. And I think the best resource is Harville Hendricks, the book, uh, Getting the Love That You Want. You know, there's a great workbook in the back of that. And I, I really suggest that you would try to be able to work those out and start practicing these reflective listening tools with your friends and family. Before you start thinking about doing it with a partner
2: right and you so know i want I want to speak to a couple of things you've said sure. the, one thing that you said um, you know communication being difficult in general about not seeing examples with our parents and and certainly what's modeled in the home is is going to be our greatest influence so that's that's a fact and something very um, valuable that you offered there I think that I, and you'll hear me talk about different things that I have. I, let me say how old I word this. I take issue with the fact that the education system doesn't actually believe this is part of curriculum. And so there's there's three things you'll hear me speak about in this category one of them is communication, one of them is leadership, and one of them is philanthropy. And I don't, you know, do not believe they're integrated into the school system in a way where I don't just mean, you know, hey, have a class or two on that so you can get read a book. I mean, where it's through your whole entire curriculum of school so you actually have to do exercises and you have to you know it's not just A's and B's it's points for doing certain things that show you're excelling at communication show you're excelling at leadership whatever so I think school also has to take some responsibility we don't learn that which right. Is, right? and so yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're bringing up a book I mean how fabulous like there's so many great books <laughs> why are those not you know, part
3: of I, well, I think part of that is, and and I think that's probably a bigger human issue, and it's gone through history. It's a control situation. It's a sheep mentality. It's like, okay, we're just going to give you enough, but we really don't want to encourage you to go out and be able to do this stuff and think on your own, because if you did that, then you wouldn't need us. And I think it really comes into a a tribal mindset. And tribes can be, you know, your family, could be, you know, a group organization or church, place of worship, whatever it is. There are tribes, and within their tribes, they've all developed certain rules of survival of the tribe. Primary function is to be able to keep the tribe together. So if if the tribe is going to go out and be able to encourage you to be able to do these things that are going to take you outside of the tribe that's threatening to the tribe.
2: That's interesting.
3: Does that that make sense that they're looking for? So, you know, so it really takes the Mavericks, somebody who's going to be able to be willing to be able to go break away from the tribe and be able to realize that you're probably not going to be able to go back because the tribe is going to be upset that you left. And if you come in with all sorts of new ways, now you're upsetting the tribe again. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. And you know, another thing I, I, that's really, it's insightful to hear you say that. And when you talked about people reacting, that's interesting too because it brings up for me that when I have clients sitting in front of me, especially, um, particularly talking about couples, um, not really, doesn't really matter whether they're in a spat or just wanting to make it better or, you know, c- coming for the first time. It, The way that they are looking at me, they're trying to tell me, well, you know, she did these things, so I want to, you know, okay, I'll take your opinion, Lindsay, if those are right. Well, he did these things, I'll take, you know, or they tell each other, well, you did this, but yeah, you did that. And I always start out, and I look at them both and I'll say, do you want to, do you want to be heard and right? And they think that's. That's a very profound question, of course. Yes, everyone wants to be heard and right. You know, so they shake their heads, yes, and I, and I say, hang on, I'm not done with my question. No, no, that was, the ha- that was the first half of the question. Do you want to be heard and right or do you want a result? And so I, I'm able to really design it that way so they can hear how the world sort of we're so taught that heard and right would be maybe the two choices or I'll take both of those. But it's not really about that. It's, you know, what result do you want? Which goes back to your reflective listening. What mm-hmm. result do you want? If you want to get along or communicate or be heard, then it might be by naming what you just heard or engaging that person by having a, some means of speaking to someone in which they're not defensive or they're not reactive. So I. I, agree. And,
3: and, I and I think that's the hardest part is that non reaction thing. Because everybody, because everybody's looking to be able to have that, and they don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to express their stuff that's going on there. And that's why, you know, I'm glad we came back here, is I think one of the, the a critical part of this reflective listening is you need to be able to practice this in the good times every single day. Make it a habit of, you know, you know, when you when you when you're talking to somebody at lunch, or you're talking to somebody at the grocery store, or something, start working on that reflective listening and being able to acknowledge what people are saying.
1: Because I like you,
3: that because if you start developing it every single day and you make it a habit, it will yeah. be automatic. And yeah. you, you will get into trouble. There will be arguments. There will be difficulties in relationships regardless of the you know the the June and Ward cleaver mindset the happily ever after we are going to have problems and if we don't prepare these reflective listening muscles while things are good, when it goes bad, you're going to suck at communication. And the only way to be able to get through those hard times is to accept that those hard times are going to be able to be there to help you grow. And this is a tool by perfecting it. And during the good times, you'll be well suited during those difficult times to be able to get a better outcome.
2: Right. You know, I had on an author, um, New York Times bestselling author, Alan C. Fox. He was on on April 2nd. And so that's available for anyone who wants to listen to that show. But he wrote a book called People Tools. He's actually releasing his next book, which is People Tools for Business. And that's coming out in September of 2014. But he released People Tools early this year. And um and so it's, it's, it's written very well in the chapters and all, but one thing he, one chapter, he calls it 50, 54 strategies for, you know, these things that would make your life happy. And one of them was called a nonversation. And he talked about how he and his wife had learned to not get your defense ready, you know, not, not be ready to say what you have to say back and not that you always have to say your side and that maybe you will tomorrow, but today somebody might, need to tell you something and you might need mm-hmm. to just be quiet and say, so this is what you're saying. So you're really upset with me. Okay. I have to think about this. I'm not sure what to do, but I heard an is that right. Did I get that right? Okay. Let me think about that. And we will either, we'll talk about it later or, but you know, we don't even have to finish this conversation now, but certainly not. Well, let me tell you about my view <laughs> that that can't happen well, yeah. in a conversation.
3: Well, to be able to look at that and, and this is, you know, like the four agreements is not taking it personally and able to look at this stuff is, you know, we all come in with these invisible buttons of all of our unfulfilled emotional needs from our past. And our partners can be able to bump into those buttons or something else is going to happen that's going to be able to trigger a memory, trigger an emotion. It may not be that you've done something that's that's upset me. It's, just, it's a combination of a lot of these other things that have gone on. and. Right. There may be one thing that could, you know, kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. But if we can be able to go back and be able to look at it and say, okay, so here's the little something that was a trigger. And if we can be able to realize that something that was triggered, is there has, there's a deeper meaning and there's a deeper, deeper purpose to be able to heal a past pain. And I think that is the primary purpose of our relationships is to help each other heal and to be able to become better. But if we get reactive over the straws, we're never going to be able to get to the mountains that are underneath there that are going to be the pathway to be able to have the relationship of our dreams.
2: Right. And I think quite often in the way you're describing it, if if we... If we do it in the, in the reactive way, uh, we not only won't get where we're going, we exacerbate the wounds. Oh, yeah, that yeah. are the whole reason that this is happening to cause a reaction. It's a, it's a perpetual cycle that's circular motion. You know, this hurts me, so I react, and then I react, and so now you're, you know. But that wound, there's an underlying and undercurrent, again, that is quite often some wound. So, I really agree with you. You've got to break that cycle and learn a new way so yeah. that you can reach, you know, the potential. So talk to me then. I mean, a successful relationship. That's, so, that's such a vast term. You know? is, is there something you'd say on how to create that or what, where you'd start?
3: Well, Somebody... I think where, where I started, and it's probably the same thing as creating a business plan, is you need to be able to have a vision of what is a successful relationship to you. Because it does vary from person to person, and, and it's, you know, it's what you want and what you need. Um, and how you feel loved, and in, in attracting the person who is going to be able to fulfill that that list. And actually, when I met my wife Carol, it was, all, you know, it was te- over ten years ago on July second that we that we first met. Oh,
1: happy anniversary!
2: <laughs> thank
3: you. I put an ad on singles on singles sites, and I listed about forty six different qualities in what I wanted in a relationship now those qualities all came up from all my practice dates, my previous marriages, and just a lot of things and hopes and dreams that I wanted to be able to have so I had a list of what I wanted to be able to have and I think that if we if we get specific about what we want we're we're more apt to be able to be able to get that and trying to be able to mold, you know, say, okay, well, here's somebody that's workable. Let's mold them into it. But I think if we get that vision and stay strong, we can be able to, you know, start attracting that successful relationship. Another great thing is if you don't have a good role model, you get experience, find somebody. You know, we become the average of the of the five people we hang around the most. So yeah. having a successful relationship is important to you. Don't hang around people who've got bad relationships. Start upgrading your friends. Start looking for people who have good relationships, who have good communication and respect for one another. And all of those things. And find them in different age groups. Start studying. You know what? What, what do long-term married couples, what do they do? What are their secrets to success? Find out. What is they're doing? You know, and that brings me an example. Of, you know, I'm a go-giver coach from the the book by Bob Berg and John David Mann. But one of the principles in The Go-Giver is, it was a story, it was explained in under the law of influence. And Pindar, who is the main mentor in the book, was asked, what was the success of his 50-year marriage? Yeah, and so his answer was that we focus on making each other happy.
2: I like that, you know. And one of the things that I say, I have all my little Lindsayisms. So when again, when couples come in, but I would say this anywhere in the world. I just have so many memories of couples sitting in front of me and me saying this. Um, where they immediately tell either me or each other, but they kind of fess up. Like, I know it's supposed to be 50-50 and they're really there to admit, you know, maybe I'm not pulling my whole 50 or or they're there to point at someone. And I always say it's not 50-50, it's 100-100. Mm-hmm. You, you should get up every morning and you should just bring your whole self to the relationship and don't be, and, you know, and I kind of, I, I use a lot of Lindsay Tough Love, so it's sort of, Stop being in their business. Who cares whether she made the bed or whether she sang in the shower and you don't like that? Like, get up, think about what does she love? What things would she love today? Would she like a post it on her car window? Would she love a funny phone call at work? Would she just love her favorite candy on her pillow tonight? Like, and, and you don't have to do a lot of them. Just no, think, no. what's one thing today that might make her happy. And maybe it is just hi at lunch. I'm just calling to see that you're good. You're good? I love you. Bye. You know, and it's enough. And I, I'll just add in, that, you know, my parents have been married 57 years, and it's just the cutest thing. You know, my father goes off to the spa in the morning, and my mom has all these activities with her girlfriends. Like, she's super out there and social. And But my dad brings home my mom's favorite Starbucks every morning because he's up so early. And he, he'll go out at 6 a.m. or something. So by the time he's getting home, she's getting up and moving to do whatever – But, you know, this has gone on. I've watched this for so many years now. You know, my dad just turned 81, you know, and here he is bringing the love of his life, her favorite Starbucks, because he just loves to have it waiting on the counter when she walks down the hall. So, you know, it can be something that simple. What does somebody love that makes them smile? And so, You
3: know know what's amazing, and it's a great story, but um, when I was bartending, I, I was doing some unofficial surveys because I think it was a couple years, I saw the movie Milk Money, <laughs> and yeah. and I was I was really touched by this one line in the movie. It says, "You know, how do you touch? You know, what, what is it how can you touch a woman in a place that'll drive her absolutely crazy?" Or what, you know, and it's it's touching her heart. Oh, and so so I, true. So I was I was play I played with that, and so I'm bartending, and so I'm asking a lot of women, "What is the one thing that?" Your partner has touched your heart. And I probably talked to a hundred women and there was only maybe four or five that they were big extravagant gestures. Yeah. Ninety five percent of them were all the small things. The garbage out, the bed out, saying I love you, appreciating yeah. appreciating <laughs> yeah. that you know that you cleaned the bathroom, that you did these things, that you look pretty you know, it's all of those little things, and I think we talked about this last time. Is make a list of the things that you feel loved, right? And share them with your partner, so you can be able to let them know what gets you going. You know, I, you know, I just found out my wife just told me because we were on a call with one of our business partners, and I used the term when I when I when I was talking to Jennifer that I used in a way with Carol, but I didn't realize that it had touched her heart the way that it did. So all of a sudden she goes, oh, well, you said that to somebody else. And I thought that was just kind of our thing, but she never told me over the years that she was touched by, you know, this phrase that I used.
2: Right. And again,
3: so it's like, okay, so if, you know, if you do appreciate something that your partner is doing or saying, even if it's a little joke, and what the phrase was is, you know, she would say, I love you. And I'd say, well, you better. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and I, I think Jennifer said something, well, I appreciate you or, you know, I love working with you guys or something. And I said, well, you better. And then so, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, there was a, you know, she got a little, little, little tweaked, but yeah. it was just something that I didn't realize that, that was that important to her and meant something. So you have to be able to communicate how you feel loved or if your partner is doing something that you appreciate and feel special, if you don't tell them, they don't know. Right. And I think can, that's
2: that's really. How can, key. They
3: do, yeah, how can they do anything if they don't know? And you know, like the bottom line, if we can do when when things are done for us that make make us feel loved, we're more apt to be able to love you back in the way that you want to. So you have to be able to give first and give more than what you expected to receive back. But I can tell you that if you do give and you love them the way they want to be loved and you give them the the keys on how to be able to love you, it's going to be amazing.
1: It's so
2: true. It's so true. And, you know, I always joke, like, I'm that girl, you know, I, I don't want the diamond ring. I don't want the fur coat. But if I can't reach a light bulb. I would just want you to come over and help screw that light bulb in for me. If I want to hang a clock, you know, the fact that you would do something for me that I can't do that I'm struggling with or, you know, so you could bring me a dozen roses and that's lovely, but Oh my God, you hung my clock. Like, Oh, that's so great. My clock is hung. <laughs> so it's so funny how everyone is dumb. Some other woman would be like, why'd you hang my clock? Where's the flowers? You know, but it just, everyone has their, their own way of right. doing it. And I like you saying paying attention, you know, paying, paying close attention to what is that because everyone does bring, you know, their own unique, not only way of loving, but like you said, way of wanting to be loved. And that's the most interesting thing is to blend those two. How, you know, we all, like I think if I scratch your back like this, that's, or you should scratch mine, or you know, like we no. have to. We have to learn, and just because we like it one way, someone else might like it another way, and it's real important that you can learn that. It's actually very yeah. available. that's what you're saying, right?
3: Right, and if we give for the sake of giving and not expecting it, but knowing that it's going to, we're going to, it's going to come back to us. In abundance, but you know we can't get into this fifty-fifty or scratch my back, I scratch your back. That's bookkeeping. That's not love. And right. pour your pour yourself into it, and you almost, you have to be able to go in with an aspect that you, that your heart may be broken. That's, That's right. That's the only way that you're really going to be love. If you go, if you go in full in, if you're holding something back, your relationship will be doomed.
2: God bless you. I love that. I love that. We're gonna have to take a break and go to commercial. I love that line on the end because it can couldn't be a more important statement. If you're going to try and be in a relationship with love, go there. We are gonna come back from break, and you can reach Gary. His site is garyloper.com, and his email is gary@garyloper.com. I'm Lindsay Levinson. I'm your host. Stay with us, and we've got some good stuff coming up.
4: Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
5: Are you a single parent trying to create the balance between home life and work life? You may be running a successful business, but how are your relationships with your family and children? If you're one of the thousands of people trying to juggle it all, tune in to Straight Up with Chris. Real talk on business and parenthood, Hosted by Chris FSU. Chris is the portrait of the success story. Coming to the U.S. with no language skills, founding and growing several businesses, while raising his daughter from age seven to adulthood as a single dad. Listen every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety.
4: What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business.
5: Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as the show is often hosted by national experts in the fields of leadership, teamwork, management, corporate responsibility, accounting, governance finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be more trustworthy. Your hosts are trusted professionals with years of experience in applying strategies with today's leading organizations. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety.
4: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. To connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's l-i-n-z-i-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now.
2: Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson. I am your host here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We're here with our guest, Gary Loper, who we are thrilled to have on. We have had him a second time now, and I think there are some future plans being made. Gary's involved in a lot of things, a lot of things I think you're going to be really interested in, and a lot of things that he can teach and coach and help with, which is exactly what he does in his business. So we left off on the break, and... The last thing that Gary had said, which I thought was so meaningful, was about love and and if you're going to go into it. If you really are going to try, if you really want it bad, then put yourself in it. And he was suggesting, you know, a lot of people, you know, he didn't say this, but walls, or we have fears, so we kind of tippy-toe in. But you're kind of saying, Gary, that can create the problems, right? That you're kind of half-assing it, and that may not pull off such a good result.
3: Yeah, and and I think that what it is... You know, well, one, we're all coming in with some baggage. And and I believe on soul levels, we attract partners to be able to, beyond the sunshine and balloon and sex and all of the hormones and all of that great stuff that happens early in a relationship, really on a soul level, we're here to be able to help each other heal. So we all have a lot of hurts and pains and the baggage that, you know... You know, it was always so funny when I was doing and then the um, dating sites. Everybody says, well, I don't want anybody who's got baggage. No. And I'm going, you know, th- this is absolutely nuts because everybody has baggage. And I think right. if we shift this and to be able to realize that they've got baggage, you've got baggage. And in a relationship, things are going to happen. Things are going to evolve. That's going to keep peeling away that onion. And if we start making a safe place for each other to unpeel and be able to grow through a lot of these hurts and pains, it's going to be a lot easier for us to unpack our bags.
2: I mm. guess one of the things I like the way you say that.
3: It, it, it's really interesting. Is you know I've told you, you know, a little bit about my family. You alluded in the introduction. You know the emotional unavailability of my parents. So I grew up with that. So what's interesting is when we moved into our house here there was there were cats living in the alley and one of these cats took up in our yard. And so she sort of the cat Tori, you know, sort of, you know, hooked on to me and every time that I would come home, she'd jump on on the fence and be able to see me. And later on, she had three litters in our yard in that in, within that year. Oh wow. And so by the third litter you know, she sort of got to me. (laughs) I started feeding her because I saw that she was pregnant. I started feeding her and it was pouring down rain. She had a new litter and she moved them five times inside the first week. So it was pouring down rain. I saw where she's at. There was no cover for her, the kittens. So we brought brought her into the garage and then we converted the garage, put a porch, $10,000 to be able to build a, a, a cat den. But... What I really saw was Tori was abandoned and left out. And her mother was also one of the cats in the, in the alley. Her mother sort of kicked her out of the yard. So there was an abandonment issue. And so Tori was always very suspicious and, and lurking and fearful about what was going to happen. And it, and it just happened a couple months ago. She started allowing me to be able to pet her. After six years. Wow. So it was finally after six years, and it was about two years of of stroking her with a long plastic stick. It was on one of these little shaky toys. Yeah. So it was played with her a little bit that, and then, you know, gradually I reached down and, you know, I started taking the tip of the thing and be able to rub her head, rub her back. And it was sort of a two-year progression. So it was really a step-by-step-by-step situation where now... I can be able to pet her full handedly. I can pet her while she's eating. she's not scrunched up, she's not fearful she's not hissing. she's actually looking at me in a loving way you know it's It's not a lap cat situation, but if you just look at the progression
2: oh yeah, because see here's what I hear here's what I hear you saying, and it's so this analogy you know and i and I go back to to the dating sites and all that with you know leave your baggage at the curb and those kind of comments and and I have a, a view that your baggage is who you are. You mm-hmm. actually, you actually got wherever you're standing in this moment by carrying the bags you chose to take right now. Right. You might have left some behind, and you might have brought some, and you might have had to consolidate, and you might have had some, you know, extra or be your minimalist. I don't really care. But your bags that you are with your baggage—that's who you are. So I am. You know, somewhat triggered, or I think it's a goofy line, like "leave your baggage behind." Like and it's, and so you really make that point with the cat because it, it, as you accept that cat, that cat that's so injured and damaged in so many ways from something else, that as you, like you said, unpeel these layers and continue to accept and show you're still there, you're still bringing the food, you're still mm-hmm. giving loving comments, you know, you're still touching her with the stick or whatever. But in time, the acceptance of me being able to peel back my layers and show you dark things that I would wonder if you'd run away but you stayed, that's how I know, oh, my gosh, maybe I really am loved. Maybe this really is
3: working, right? Exactly, yeah. And I know Tori has been a great teacher for me in a lot of ways to be able to look at her her abandonment, her exile, And the things that she has said, you know, there are so many parallels when we have this emotional abandonment and, you know, to be able to be discarded and not, you know, to be brought up in the alley and to be able to be shooed out of the yard where, where, you know, there's another neighbor lady who feeds them, feeds the cats regularly, and she got sort of shooed out of that yard. And so we just look at, you know, the parallels. Like you said, there are so many parallels that we can just be able to watch and learn, and I believe, again, the universe is bringing these things to us, bringing us examples of these lessons on how we can be able to heal. Because I know I've got a lot of healing from it, and I've, you know, never, I'm have i actually allergic to dogs and cats.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, you know, the cats are actually in the back part of the house, and I have to wash my hands and make sure I don't wash my face after I pet, pet them. But, it, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you know, I'm learning and be able to show that repetitiveness that we're there, that stability, that she's not going to be able to be hurt. And now she starts walking behind the couch and she's walking right behind me. And once in a while, we'll get a little tail, mm. tail tap <laughs> and stuff. But it's, you know, it's just an amazing you, progression okay. that if we, you know, we make ourselves available and allow the uh, other person to be able to gain trust with us, they'll start opening up.
2: Right. Right. Okay. So I have a question. And, and, you know, I'll throw this at you. You can, you know, it's sort of a little bit of psychology in here, but you know, what if you are thinking healthy in the way that you are, or like you and I are having a healthy conversation about, hey, baggage is included and that's part of your goods, your bads, and you need to love someone for who they are. And okay. So, but what if you get in a relationship with someone who has a lot of quote baggage and They see themselves. That's what they see is their icky stuff. So either they project it on you or they, you know, withdraw. In other words, you can have a part of them, but not all of them. You know, do you have any thoughts on we can love someone who has a lot of baggage, but what if that person with a lot of baggage is so busy kind of not loving themselves?
3: Well, I guess probably the biggest thing I I know, a big lesson that I picked up from the Conversations with God books was... Our primary purpose here is to become the best me I can be. And in a relationship, to be the best me I can be is still my primary function. My secondary function is to be able to help my partner be the the best that they can be while still being my best. Right. I like that a lot. So, you know, if we look at that, and so I'm going to be able to encourage you to be able to be your very best that you can be able to be. And if we're both willing to be able to work on it, willing to be able to go forward and be able to realize that we both are here and we're both making vows to be able to help each other be our best. And if we can't do that to help each other be their best while being our best, then we need to be able to, you know, move on to another relationship or just be able to move past this one and be able to look at, okay, what did I learn from this? And like we talked before, sometimes it's reason season or lifetime. But if they're not willing to be able to grow and change, you can give them a lot of chances. You can give them opportunities. You can pr- you know, probably spend more time. But like, like I said, if you give more than you expect and you pour your heart into it, and if it still doesn't work you'll know when that tipping point comes and you'll be able to realize, it's, okay, I'm, not, I'm no longer being my best in this relationship because we're not moving forward. I'm getting more angry. I'm getting more frustrated. We're not, you know, the progress isn't there. It's, you know, you need to either sit back and say, okay, what are we doing? Why are we going? What, what are our goals? What are our dreams? How do we need to do it? And take responsibility for the crap that we're doing to be able to create anchors instead of being able to go with the flow. Does that make sense? So,
2: can, can, yeah, it does. And, and I'd like to take it a step further. So, you know, yeah, because these things come up. So conflicts. So, because no matter what we're doing, you know, we think we're doing it right, or we saw it done that way before, or it worked once before, you know, but but now we're in a conflict. The person we're doing it with isn't appreciating what we're doing. But somehow we're in conflicts. and, And they come up plenty. How do we maintain the relationship during conflict? What's your guidance on that?
3: Well, we talked a little bit before, if we practice that reflective listening. Yes. We're probably not going to be in as major of conflicts as where we're going to do without it.
2: Yeah. So you think that, that that diffuses things by being it, able to it, stop it's right there? it
3: diffuses it. And if you're in a conflict and if you don't have the tools, you're just going to get into the cycle we've talked about. But I think, you know, what's important to be able to realize, again, and we mentioned this, is in conflicts or something else has come on there, we're bumping into each other's emotional buttons. And, you know, they're going to become frightened. Something's going to go on. Something's going to be able to agitate them and go through there. And, you know, it depends on their history. So all of a sudden here's an argument that comes up. And because I know, so you know, so many other people left me Early on in my life, I'm going to see an argument. And and this has happened with me. I see an argument. We go through there. And if, if I'm not seeing resolve, if I'm not seeing efforts to be able to fix it, my emotional pain is going, this relationship is going to go away too. Right. And so it scares the crap out of me. And then you get scared. And then, you know, now I'm fighting in a way to be able to resolve to be able to save the relationship and you know it's probably not communicated they probably don't understand they're just seeing more aggression more anger right or a lot right. of things that are going on and you know and in it's that, really in that amazing state, so, yeah, go we ahead we just have to be able to create create the safe place
2: yeah i was going to say in that real, state yeah. when you're ahead, please. <laughs> we, we both have so much to say. Um, that I was saying, you know, when you said, "I get to this place and I kind of want to fight for," you know, but then that could lead to something bad. You are kind of at fight or flight if you're in a conflict and right. and it's bringing up something for you and it's negative and you're reactive. You know, it is that 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 fight or flight feeling. And so, yeah, that doesn't that certainly doesn't put a calm right. out as a safe haven for anybody to work with and. The other thing I just wanted to add is, you know, this is a huge passion for me. I'm certified in conflict resolution, mediation, that kind of stuff. And I have a huge philosophy on it. And I want to say that to anybody, there's so many people that I talk to that say, um, when I talk about what makes your bonds, you know, what makes the bonds, you'll hear people talk about, oh my gosh, okay, our, our, our memories. You know, we had this great birthday and we went to Hawaii for our anniversary and oh my, our wedding and and I always say, no, you're t- You know, this may have bonded you, but those are your memories. Right. But what people in our society don't understand, and I believe, is conflicts are the bonds because it doesn't mean, you know, everyone misunderstands that you had to agree. You don't have to agree, but can you get through it? Can I talk with you and say, I really feel this way? And you say... That is not how I feel, and I say, okay, I can understand that. I'm not agreeing with you. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to really try to take in what you said here. I'm not on your side do what you said, but I really care about what you said. That matters to me. So let me do some processing. Right,
3: and, and I and, think what's what, one of the, the major things too is taking responsibility for your contribution to the problem. Yes, because I, th- I think that you know we're you know nobody is a hundred percent wrong, and nobody is you know totally blameless. There's, all, there's always something. And even if you were the straw that broke the back, take responsibility for that and be able to look at that and say, okay, well, something else is going on there. And I just bumped into a minefield. And I got to go triage and I got to do the things that I need to do to be able to fix this. And I think that, you know, if we start looking at, again, some of the emotional responses on how our partners or how other people are responding to us.
2: Right.
3: And, it, and it, you know, it, it takes responsibility, and we have to be able to step back and, and, and look at it and say, okay, what am I dealing with? You know, one of the examples, I, I lived, in a, lived in a house on the beach, and there was a guy who lived in a garage apartment who was right across from the apartment that I had, and we had this shared driveway and, you know, parking spots. Now, this guy had a band, so his band would come over and practice. And they blocked, you know, they parked in my spot, blocked me out. <laughs> so I couldn't get Jeez. in. And I needed to run in the house quick and, you know, spend about an hour and be able to leave. So I just parked at the end of the driveway and none of them could get out when they wanted to. So we started having this argument about, you know, parking spaces and who's right and where all this other stuff. And what I saw was a shift. So this, there was a guy in his 50s in the medical profession, and all of a sudden I'm, seeing, I'm not seeing this 50-year-old man anymore. All of a sudden it shifted to a 6-year-old little boy. Uh. His, his responses were coming back like, well, why can't I? And I really think that you know, by staying non-reactive, we're going to be able to see their emotional response. And if they're shifting and they're going back to that emotional pain at six years old where they couldn't get what they wanted and trying to be able to talk to them as a fifty you know as peers right was you know it was useless you know I think we've seen those diagrams I saw in in the seventies you know the parent parent adult child kind of conversations yeah uh you know those parallels that were that were talking at these different levels. So I think if we can be able to look at it, and even though we can have adult things a lot at other times, there are triggers that are going to shift that paradigm and we're going to go go into different roles.
2: Right. I think that's really true. I think it's very true with, you know, what, what role you're in, what voice are you projecting, what persona are you projecting, and... I'm following some of the rules you're talking about here, are you reflective listening? Are you in defense? Are you wanting to be heard and right? Are you actually looking for results that could end in a good way because being heard and right may have nothing to do with getting the result you're looking for in a right. particular situation. So it's important to stop and think about that. What do you think, Gary, about apologies? You know, everyone? I said I was sorry, you know, okay, sorry, you know lots of ways to say you're sorry. um what? What's a true apology? What's a good apology? What's effective? Do we need them?
3: Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and we, 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 we do need them. And we need it beyond just I'm sorry and give me yeah. a cute little look and go through there because that doesn't address any of the emotional pains. So right. I've come across these essential elements of an apology that I think are, are, are vital the most important thing we got to do. First off, we have to be able to identify what's being done. Okay, you know, I apologize, I, you know, for hurting you by doing ba-da-da-da-da. Right. Second, you want to acknowledge the damage. Okay, by doing this, I can see that it hurts you this way. Right. The next place is to be able to express sorrow. I'm really sorry that... I hurt you this way and that you're feeling this way and we you know all of this stuff happened because of that and I think some people do some of those things but probably the most important thing and why I believe that everything winds up reoccurring yeah is we have to be able to tell them reassure them how things are going to be different going forward
2: yeah, I think that's really critical. I use I use this example uh, a lot with, with clients. And when they're saying they're sorry, I talk about it. I said, let's say I go out and I get the mail every day, and there's a bully who lives next door, and he <laughs> beats me up every day. So I don't really like to go to get the mail, and I don't get it often. And when I do, that happens. And, and I said, it's a big difference. If the bully comes out one day, and I see him, and he can see I'm scared, and he says, you know, sorry, and he runs back in his house. That's not going to change. I'm still terrified to go get my mail. Right. But if the bully comes out one day and says, you know, My parents are getting a divorce. I'm having a miserable time. I can't even believe I've been beating you up every single time. I'm mortified with my behavior. Please be my friend. No one will, you know, and actually says, and I won't beat you up anymore, and I give you my word, and here's a handshake on it. It doesn't mean I'm positive, but if it's explained like that, I have a whole different way I'll go get the mail from now on because somebody explained Mm -hmm. it. So I think that's really true, and I want to just add one more thing to everyone listening. I think it's really, really important to say this about apologies is that you don't have to say you're wrong if you don't think you are. That's not, I don't think what Gary or I are saying, that you you mm. you know, that you have to say, I'm sorry, here's what happened, but well, I was wrong. You no know, matter what, though, I'm sorry, this appeared to really hurt you, naming what Gary's saying is name what it is. This happened, I said that at that party, that really hurt you. You're embarrassed. I feel bad that you're hurt. That is not what I would ever want to do to you. And you can always say, let me think about this, because... You know, I don't know totally where I went wrong, but I'm really sorry I hurt you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Do you yeah, agree? it does.
3: And to make sure that you tell them, this is what I'm going to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again, because I never want to hurt you again. So this is the correction that I'm going to be able to make. Because, you know, so just imagine that if somebody told you that, hey, now I'm aware of this emotional minefield of yours. And I don't want to ever do that again. I don't want you to experience that hurt and pain. I don't want to see you painful. I And, and I know that the pain that it causes me to see you in pain. So right. I want to make sure that I'm going to be able to protect you and, and make sure that this doesn't happen again.
2: Right. I think that's really critical, and I'm glad you added that because to be able to, yeah, very specifically say what it is that did happen that I will stop doing, or I can certainly pay attention to, keeps that person a lot safer. Right. Safety. Yeah. Safety is a huge foundation of any relationship, and um, and as usual, we're going to come to a close. I'm going to finish up this show, but it always flies by, and so oh, I want to. Pleasure. It really, it really flies flies by, but I am so glad you were on. So I really just can't thank you enough. So, today, we talked about relationship and communication and love and apologies and baggage and, you know, what is a conflict? Is it good or bad? So, Gary shared a lot of wisdom we can all use. He's been through divorce. He's found love again. He's an author. I mean, we're lucky to be hearing from someone with that kind of wisdom, let alone if you go look on his website, GaryLoper.com, you'll see. Lindsay's Life secret. We must move toward what we fear with communication. We are fearful of what we should say, and we fear often that, of what we'll hear. The truth will always lead you to the right place. You may not like where you're being led, but if it's with truth, the truth must stay your foundation, and that keeps you staying open to where you're being led. Because with truth, you'll hold on to yourself. And only with self-esteem can you ever even try to be in relationship. So I hope you can tie that together. Telling the truth, being with truth, staying your authentic self helps you maintain identity and self-esteem. And with that, you bring your best self, which gives you your best shot. And that's sustainable. I want you, again, to look at Gary's site, garyloper.com. You can certainly email him at gary at garyloper.com. And please do take a look because there are some things he offers. I really appreciate you choosing this channel. I really appreciate you choosing Illuminating Now and Lindsay's Life Secrets because there's so very many choices on Voice America. So week after week, we're growing in the multiples of thousands and I'm just so grateful for it. And I thank you all so much. Go check out Facebook, Illuminating Now, one word, and answer the question. And if you already have, there's going to be some shows coming up where we start to name your names again. So thanks so much. Have a wonderful week, and we really appreciate you listening. We hope we brought you
1: some value this week. Take care. Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.